and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks also for joining us, those people who are in the United Arab Emirates. Um, we can see that you're listening and we get very excited when we see that you're there. So thanks for tuning in. This week, we are talking about unhelpful versus helpful amounts of stuff. The reason why we wanted to, I wanted to talk about unhelpful versus helpful amounts of stuff is that quite often I come across people who talk about right or wrong or who think that there are right or wrong amounts of stuff and that they have the wrong amount of, of belongings and that they've failed somehow. And what I like to do is to talk to them about how there is actually no right or wrong and how what there is instead is unhelpful and helpful uh, amounts of stuff. And most of my clients will have unhelpful volumes of stuff, but they're not necessarily wrong because they are unhelpful for them only. So we work with people in all positions on the stuff spectrum, uh, and it's a very broad spectrum because everyone has different lives, tolerances, activities, personalities, have different storage styles, values, and beliefs. And so one person's right amount of stuff is actually different to another person's, and so that's why I prefer to use unhelpful versus helpful. I do quite a few virtual declutters of people's homes people that don't live near me or live wherever and they will show me and quite often it's a wardrobe and people will say okay it's time to declutter my wardrobe how many pairs of jeans should I have and I'm like well depends but you know there's no right if you want to be uncluttered you need to have Mm. three pairs of jeans that is the absolute upper limit for someone that is uncluttered and it's not like that at all I have loads of pairs of jeans but I wear jeans every day so for me jeans are like a uniform so I I I don't I'm not going to admit publicly how many pairs of jeans I own but it's significant and for someone else um, that is not a jeans wearer or that has a uniform for work and may wear jeans every other weekend only in winter then you know maybe one pair of jeans is perfectly adequate so that's where you really have to break away from the idea that there's some kind of prescription for an uncluttered life and work out what works for you, what helps you and what inhibits you. So that that all leads us to the summary of there is no right or wrong, but there is unhelpful and helpful amounts of stuff. So then, Beck, how how would you define what is helpful when it comes to stuff or clutter? Okay. Um, there's a few different ways that you know whether something is is helpful, and I think that probably one of them would be that you you're allowed to feel comfortable in your home or in your space. So you you don't feel too anxious. Obviously, sometimes you'll feel a bit anxious about you know other things where at home, but a helpful volume means that you are comfortable in your home and allows you to feel um, comfortable when you're in when you're in the home yeah so the stuff the amount of stuff around you is not causing you to be anxious about it or creating some yeah. heightened sense of of stress based on yeah and and I can appreciate that I'm a bit uh, can't I can't enjoy watching tv 
in a messy lounge room because it's just like I just mm. I can't focus. I like I like things to be, kind of be ordered so that then my mind can watch TV if I'm in the lounge room. And some people don't have that same switch. They're happy to have lots of stuff around them. Yeah, and that's and there's some. I'm I'm in the middle. I don't like lots of stuff, but I can easily ignore a pile of like a washing basket on the floor that's waiting to be put away. I can easily ignore that and still enjoy someone's company or enjoy sitting down watching something or doing nothing for a while. Uh, the only time it bothers me is when I don't really have control mm-hmm. over it. And so it's more like if I look if I look around me and I think, well, okay, there's stuff around me and there's things that I need to do, but it's okay because I've got a plan for it and I know that it'll get dealt with in a certain way or a certain time, then I am still okay relaxing. It doesn't have to be done right then and there, but as long as I do know, yes, I have to do that or, yes, someone else has to do that and there is a plan for it to be done, then I can relax even though it's still there. I feel like I recall you sending me a picture of you. I can't remember if it was Christmas Day or Boxing Day and there was like carnage all around you and you're like, (laughs) check me out because you were sitting in the carnage just like wrapping paper and stuff gifts and you know that kind of stuff and were you sitting reading or journaling or something something that I would I think I was reading yeah one of my books that I got for Christmas and I would (laughs) that I was like yeah I would need to remove myself from that room and go and find a space (laughs) to read but that's just the way I'm wired and I love that you can go yep this is this is going on around me and I'm just going into my little cone of silence into my happy place and (laughs) And I guess that's the thing. It's like lots of stuff we discuss about there's no one answer. Everyone is on Mm. a spectrum of how much anxiety their stuff causes and you need to work that out for yourself. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think another helpful volume of belongings is, is a volume that doesn't cause waste because I think that there is a certain point at which some of us get to with the volume of possessions where we start wasting our possessions because we lose them and then we can't use them or we end up buying duplicates because we can't find the ones that we've already got, which causes waste. And so if you have, and again, there's no actual set number of or volume of belongings that will cause waste or won't cause waste, but it's completely unique to the household and, and to the individuals that live in it. But if you're finding that with your volume of belongings you have a lot of waste, then you might have an unhelpful volume of belongings. So a helpful one is one that doesn't cause waste. Another way to work out when the amount of belongings you have is a helpful amount rather than an unhelpful one is when your belongings don't cost you more than you can afford. If you find yourself going into debt or you find yourself not paying bills that you owe because you are busy acquiring new things, that's probably an indication that the amount of things you have or the amount of things that you're bringing into your home is not helpful. You don't want to be a slave to your possessions and then have to deal with the financial implications of your purchasing for days and months and years to come so a really easy way to keep your volume in check is to make sure that your acquiring of items is not becoming a financial burden for sure so you know a helpful volume of belongings is a good indicator that you are you're living you know within your means 
Another helpful, um, another indicator of a helpful volume of belongings is a volume that doesn't actually do sort of any damage to your property. So it doesn't cause mold or moisture or rodent damage or anything like that. It doesn't sort of, it means if you've got a helpful volume of belongings, you can actually get to all of your things that you need to get repaired. You can move things so that you can clean them. You can uh, store things appropriately so that they don't get damaged. For example, a helpful volume of belongings is is a volume that you can store everything inside so that it doesn't get um, moisture damage or it's not out in the weather or you can store it in appropriate storage for its needs. Uh, For example, if you have three couches and you live in a two-bedroom unit and you have to store one of the couches outside in an area that it can get um, moisture in it, then you might. That's an unhelpful volume then, because you're going to be causing damage to to that property. Yeah, and I think also um, hand in hand with that is then the safety of um, yourself and visitors mm. to your house. They kind of go when you your belongings get to an unhelpful level, you risk hazards like tripping and falling on your belongings. You, I always think of that. Um, quintessential like movie scene where someone opens the the cupboard <laughs> and all their belongings <laughs> fall out and the basketball hits them, them yeah. on the head and that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and while it seems comical in a movie, in real life, if you have if you are fearing for your safety when you open that cupboard, um, mm. <laughs> then that's a pretty clear clear sign that you might need to yeah for sure downsize some things. I had a client that co- collected rugs. And I think his volume was unhelpful. And there's no, again, there's no right or wrong. And it was a collection and he loved it. But I think it was unhelpful because I walked into one room and I actually turned and walked straight back out again because I said, I can't stand in that room any longer because there were big, heavy, high quality Turkish rugs rolled up and stacked. And they were stacked at um, a height, sort of three quarters of the way up the wall, so well above my own height. And if they fell on me, I would have been seriously hurt, seriously hurt. So I turned and walked back out again. I, I couldn't stay in there. Um, so to me, that was an unhelpful volume of, of rugs in particular. Yeah, I um, worked with a family that had, they didn't, well, their laundry was kind of over full of things. So they had moved their tumble dryer out into their garage, which is not uncommon. Mm. Um, they didn't park their cars in their garage. There was just, they used to, but then the stuff just accumulated and spilled out from the house into the garage. And then when we started working on the garage, I was like tripped over a cord and then said, right, where is this? It was a power cord. Where's this power cord going? And the boxes in this garage were stacked higher than my height. They were pretty well organized and arranged, but there was a lot in there. It looked like someone had just moved in. And I said, where's this? Why is there a power lead coming across the floor? Where's that going to? And they said, that's our tumble dry. It's in the middle of the garage. So right in the middle, surrounded by boxes, was a tumble dry. And once we got to it, it was an old-fashioned one where the lint used to get pushed out the back and... Uh, it had never, or since they started stacking boxes, it had never, they'd never been able to get around to the back of the tumble dryer to get to the lint. And I'm like, this is a massive fire hazard. Not only is there the trip hazard mm-hmm. of the cord, because 
it's dark in here, there's boxes everywhere and people like me are not going to see that and fall over. But also with that much lint in a, you know, at the back of a tumble dryer onto cardboard boxes, I'm like, oh, this would just, it would go up in a flash. So um, there's things like that as well. That's a really clear sign that something needs to change. Yeah, that that's an unhelpful volume for sure. Yeah, and you know, like I, I mentioned before, with the the, the mold and the rodents, like their their safety hazards too. And and it's not just you that's at risk. Sometimes it's other people. I have a client at the moment who's who's got a hallway that is really really full, and, and it's got there's a narrow path up the hallway, and you know she's very tiny, and she can fit up and down the hallway just fine. But if you get a big fiery in there with his or her pack on their back, they're not going to fit. They're not going to be able to get down that, that hallway. And so, you know, then the if there is a fire or an emergency in some way, then people that come into your house could be in danger as well as yourself. So there's lots of hazards. And, and obviously the, the more stuff you have, depending on what it is, the, the higher your risk of being injured or dying in a fire is as well the, the the risk of your place catching on fire isn't that much greater but your risk of dying in the fire is phenomenally greater and I know I've spoken to people as well about things like if you it might be easy for them to wind their way around their little goat tracks in their houses and and know where the, the easiest way to navigate between bits and pieces and this here and that there but one thing I always say to people is what if you have fallen and hurt yourself and, you, mm. and an ambulance officer needs to come in and find you and help you. And then what if you need to go out on a stretcher? Will a stretcher fit back through the space? Yeah. Will you, you know, if you fall in here and can't get to your phone, will anyone be able to come in and find you? You know, things like And, I mean, that's obviously we're talking extreme cases. Mm. Um, but, but it still happens in every household. There's these little things, mm-hmm. you know, like you might have stuff stacked up against the back door, um, which might you know, and that, that doesn't necessarily have to be um, a, a really high, high clutter home for that to happen. It can be just your average, you know, moderate moderate levels of clutter and it can still cause access issues and access issues are really dangerous for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and same with things like, um, you know, storing lots of chemicals in areas that, that you might be aware of and you might think, well, you know, no one lights a cigarette near the garden shed because there's lots of flammable stuff in there but yeah you need to think about the amount of all the people that are also accessing your home as well and keeping them safe in your environment as well. Hmm. Another thing that can indicate an unhelpful volume of belongings is when there's family conflict over it so especially if you have two different personalities in the house where you have one or some that love lots of stuff and then you have one or some that are anxious and um, stressed by lots of stuff. So a helpful volume in that case would be somewhere in the middle or there would be some boundaries where each each person with those individual personalities could have their needs met. For example, um, who the person who loves to collect things might have a special space where they can fill to their heart's desire, but the person who needs some empty space also has an area that they can go to to relax and unwind and, and be able to see their empty spaces to make them feel comfortable. So when you have a helpful volume of belongings, it means that the whole family's needs are met, their whole clutter tolerance needs are, are met and that there isn't any conflict. 
We experienced this a little bit when we moved house at one point. When we um, moved into a smaller property in the UK, we our entire family shared a lounge room. Now, I know that's not particularly uncommon, but the house that we currently live in, the kids have their own, uh, it's like a rumpus room, it has a TV. So quite mm-hmm. often they will hang out in there with their friends and that if they start a puzzle out on the floor or building some Lego, it can be out and left around and they close the door because I will go in there to dust or vacuum, but I don't hang out in there because um, we have another lounge room as well, more like a, a family room. And when we were in the UK, there was one shared lounge room that was that was kind of the only sitting area other than the dining room for any guests or any friends and indeed the only space where all of us could sit together other than the kitchen table and so we had to change the way we lived because I said we can't just half build a lego structure and leave it on the floor because if people drop over this is where they're coming to and not only do they have to step on that rogue lego piece but also (laughs) um your building will be broken or destroyed. So we had to change and we kind of changed the way the kids' bedroom worked and said, well, so now their bedroom space is a space where they can leave things out and half finished and Mm. be okay with that. Um, And I was like, and I promise I will be okay with that (laughs) as well. (laughs) But um, for the lounge room to function in the way it needs to now, the appropriate level of clutter is minimal so that we can all use the space and not risk either tripping or accidentally breaking something of someone's or just, you know, having people come over and having to clear stuff off of surfaces so that people have got a space to sit. So um, I don't think there's a there's a fixed way, but there's there's got to be a way that a family can work together and all have those needs met without it turning into World War Three every time um, someone wants to put something somewhere or clear something away. Yeah. And I think the key is that everyone is listened to and everyone's respected. Mm. When one person just says, no, this is the way it has to be, uh, that's that's going to cause resentment on, on the part of the other. And it's just not going to work because the other people are going to continue to try and buck that rule or buck that system. And so it's actually it's not going to work. It needs to be. And this is why when I work with families, I love to sit down with all of them and say, right, we're going to come up with a, a new normal and it's going to be a new normal that everybody agrees on. And once they agree, then everyone can stick to it. Before that, there'd be different rules made by different people for different reasons. And it sort of doesn't really work that way. Mm-hmm. So going on from before we talked about feeling comfortable at home, um, I think it's becomes clearer that you, the amount of stuff you have in your home is unhelpful if you start developing feelings of not wanting to be there and also if you develop the sensation that you don't want to invite people over, if you're not comfortable um, having people come into your home, not from a point of view of, uh, you know, you're not feeling very sociable today, but if you feel uncomfortable about people seeing the way you live or seeing Mm. the way you store things or seeing the amount of stuff in your home, and I know that for people that have got, moderate levels of clutter the idea of someone popping in unannounced with that without them having the opportunity to tidy things Mm. away or shove some things in drawers and cupboards before people pop in that's a very real trigger for anxiety yeah it is yeah and I mean you can sort of say get new friends if anyone's going to judge you but it doesn't matter who that person is if you feel anxious 
then you have an unhelpful volume. It's just as it's straightforward as that, regardless of what that volume is, regardless of whether your friends go, oh, my house is messier, or if it's the other way around where you've got more than others, it doesn't really matter. It's more if you're anxious, if you don't want to be home, and if you're not comfortable having people there, then it's an unhelpful volume of stuff. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's much easier to help yourself you know, um, progress through that by letting go of things rather than trying to change your mindset about being okay with it. That's a very long road to walk down to change mm. your habits and your anxiety and your mm. triggers. And it can happen, absolutely. You can retrain yourself to be comfortable with people coming over and seeing your clutter, but it is a much quicker and easier path to go through the process of letting some mm. of that excess stuff go. Yeah. Yep, sometimes. And also, if you are spending a lot of time looking for things and you don't have much time, if you're the type of person who has uh, is has a really full schedule and you're spending a lot of time looking for things in your house, then perhaps the volume of your belongings is unhelpful. So that's another indicator that you might have an unhelpful rather than helpful volume because you just can't find things. Yeah, I think that it all ties into that notion of waste, doesn't it? It's the waste in terms of if you're mm. acquiring things and then letting them go without using them, that's that's a waste of the object. If you're wasting money um, buying duplicates because you can't find your existing ones, that's a waste of money. If you can't um, find things and you're spending time looking for things that you should know where they are, that's a waste of time. There's all, you know, that whole aspect of waste has so many layers. But yeah. whenever you get that feeling or that sensation that there is waste going on, that's a, it's a bit of a red flag. Yeah, it's a good indicator that you've got unhelpful volumes of stuff or mm-hmm. unhelpful systems, yeah. Another indicator of, of an unhelpful volume of belongings is when you actually don't, look after the things that you have or you well, there's probably two points here so one yeah one would be you don't look after the things that you already have and those things get damaged or lost uh, they get broken they get forgotten about if you're finding that you know there are a lot of things that you're just not looking after properly then the chances are you have too much and maybe a lot of those things aren't necessary anyway uh, it tends to be that people with fewer possessions actually take greater care of those possessions that they they do own. That you'll find that you know a child who has one toy will guard it with their life, uh, whereas a child who has ten toys will happily walk all over the top of them in the playroom. And so you know because they know there's there's more things that they could play with. So it's the same same with us as well. We can we can become careless with our belongings when we have we have an unhelpful volume. And then the second point to that is that we can become we we just we're not interested in the stuff. So a lot of the time, if we are buying, if we are buying an unhelpful or requiring an unhelpful volume of belongings, often we're buying because of some other reason than need. And so because we actually buy them because they're a bargain or because we're we're filling some emotional hole or, or you know, some kind of retail therapy, we, a lot of the time people will bring home those belongings and they'll actually just leave them in the bag in a spare room or on a pile and never actually open them and never use the belongings. So if you're finding that you're actually never using your belongings, then you might be acquiring an unhelpful volume of belongings and for unhelpful reasons. 
Mm, I think a really good sign of this is clothes in wardrobes that still have tags on. And before anyone feels judged, I can tell you right now, I have a pair of black (laughs) jeans in my wardrobe with the tag on that I saw this morning. I'm like, oh yeah, you and I are not not above any of this. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember exactly this morning looking at that going, oh, why haven't I worn them? Why did I even buy them? But I remember I bought them because I had left a pair of jeans at my, at my pair. Of, I had one pair of black jeans, so my favourite. I'd left them at my dad's house and um, when we'd stayed there and I w- saw another pair. They were on sale, exactly the same brand, got them. Then my dad came to visit, brought them back, and I was like, oh, I've got my old comfies back. And I haven't. And I'm, now I'm like, I should either sell them or, you know, figure out what to do. But, yes, so that's a sign that I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't care enough about those jeans to have them in the cupboard, else I would have worn them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you ha- uh, and another category I find a lot is the um, is books, mm. and there a lot of them go purchased and unread or unused, and gifts for other people. They they're purchased on impulse and they're purchased as a bargain, and then they're brought home on the justification of oh well I can give them as a gift to somebody, and then they're put away, and then that pile of gifts is just added to and added to and added to, and actually never leaves the house. Oh, the black hole of the gift cupboard. Love yep. a good gift cupboard. There's some yep. doozies in there. <laughs> mm. One of my clients had a whole gift room. Wow. And the entire room was full of gifts and stuff. And I said to, and, and I said to her, you're never going to give them, it's never going to go away at the rate that you're giving gifts. So we need to have like a gift-giving party right now in the middle of the year. We need to make piles for all of your loved ones and just give them everything all at once right now. And mm-hmm. she actually said yes. She was on board with that. So that was great fun. I had a similar story with a girl that used to buy a lot of stuff thinking, oh, it'll be a great gift for someone at some stage. So even though we hadn't got to that part of the house yet, before, it was probably a couple of months before Christmas, early October, I said, right, before we start gift buying for Christmas, we're going to get all of that out and see what we can give to who. And she that year did no Christmas shopping at all because she had enough stuff in there. But had she, had we not started that process, I'm sure she would have just gone shopping with the intention of buying for this person for Christmas and that person for Christmas rather than looking at what was already there, but. Yeah, gifts, gifts, dangerous. Yeah. I just think that 80% of the gifts that are in people's homes, sorry, the stuff that are in people's homes that are designated as gifts for people were not bought with with intention. They were bought on impulse and then mm-hmm. the justification was that they can be gifts and that's where they were put. Uh, so I think we also need to be very careful about when we buy something, whether or not we're just making using gift as an excuse to buy something to meet another need. Mm. There you go. That's a whole other episode. We could explore that. Yeah, I know. I just thought the same thing. I wonder if we'll ever run out of episodes because every episode (laughs) we we come up with other topics that we think we should do in another episode. We'll have to listen back one day if we run out, get ourselves some more ideas. Um, That's a good idea. One thing that I think is... Um, and in, uh, an indication that you've got an unhelpful level is when you're starting to rent space off-site to store household belongings. Now, there's a few exceptions to this. So, you know, some people have occasional use bulky items like caravans or canoes or camping gear that you use occasionally and it's not convenient to store them in your space. Fair enough. 
you know, they get stored off-site. Also, you know, if you've inherited a whole house full of furniture or, you know, you know, a close person has, has passed away or has given you a whole lot of stuff and you are working through that and because you can't contain it all in your house, you've rented mm-hmm. a space while you work through it and let things go. Those kind of things are fine. But if you have got too many clothes that you're boxing them up and putting them in a storage space off-site or, you know, a storage space under your house, or if you've got, you know, too many coffee mugs and they don't all fit in your cupboards so they're going into the storage unit, those kind of everyday household objects and items, if you are storing them off-site. That's an unhelpful volume. Definitely. Yeah. So given that we've gone through lots of indicators of things that are helpful or unhelpful in identifying, you know, your levels of of stuff. Once we get to a helpful volume through decluttering and hopefully people, if they recognise themselves in some of these ideas, will go back, listen to our other episodes and start working their way through the house and letting things go. Once we get to that point, what do you think then, Beck, is key to maintain our volumes at a helpful level? Okay, this is the same thing that I bang on about all the time, but boundaries, and you've got a different name for it, um, but for me it's boundaries, making rules. This is how much we have and this is the amount of space that we have and we can't fit, can't acquire any more um, if it's going to go over those, those boundaries. Yep. So I like to call it the container concept and I know I think mm. there is this, lady I don't even know what her name is the website is called a slob comes clean and I think she documents her journey from having a really messy cluttered house to a um I don't think she went full minimalist but a less cluttered house and one that she was you know a lot more uh, comfortable in so she talks about the container concept as well and I think that's where I've poached it from And it's about using the natural limits of things to determine how much stuff you have. So if you have a bookshelf, that is your container for books. And when your bookshelf is full, the container is full. Instead of buying another bookshelf for more books, you should go through your current bookshelf and work out if you need to keep them all um, because it's, you know, it's reached its natural limit. If you can fit mm. another bookshelf in your house and you would like another one and you think there's space and it doesn't change the way people move around the room, that's fine. Absolutely go for it. But instead of, you know, extending things beyond their limits and letting things go outside those boundaries, see the natural limits that are there and then keep only what can be contained within that container, whether the container is a bookshelf or a pencil case um, mm. or a basket with blankets in it or what you know whatever it is if you have a container it should contain all of those items not spill out yeah and if you do purchase something instead of looking for somewhere else to store them look to see if you can fit them within that boundaries by squishing them or by removing some of the the things that are already in that storage that you don't need use or love anymore and there's and, and you know the container the actual container itself can be quite abstract it could be a number even you know it's still the same concept you could say okay I can't have any more than you know 25 pairs of shoes and so that's your your boundary your natural boundary and when you hit that then if you go shopping you have to be thinking about the uh, pair of shoes inside your house that it has to leave to make room for this new shiny pair that you're drooling over 
Yeah, and look, that's how I certainly work with my wardrobe. We have a nice large mm. walk-in wardrobe, but it is full. I own quite a few clothes. And, well, it's not, okay, it's not full, full, but it is at a level where I can move the things on the shelves. They're not jammed together. I can iron and hang them up and they're not going to be creased when I pull them out, but I don't want to put more in there than what is there currently, shoes or clothes. So my rule is one in, one out, and a lot of people have that. I think a lot of people need to have one in, two out (laughs) until they get to the point. Exactly. If your house needs to go on a diet, you can do one in, two out, one in, three out, whatever it is, yeah. But when, you, when you're at that helpful level, like I'm quite content with where my wardrobe is at, but it really stops me buying because I will stand at a shop going, oh, I really like yeah. that scarf. Which scarf do I currently own that do I need to part with to make room for this one? And if I can't think of one that I've stopped loving or that I know is a bit damaged or whatever, I go, uh, yep, sorry, can't buy you because I'm not ready to part with anything yet. And it's a really yeah. easy way to kind of keep control. It's a good way of it, it, of not spending too much money as well because, you know, the more the more stuff you can spin, fit in a space, the more money you're spending on the stuff fitting in that space as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I, the, the one-in-one-out rule is great. And also I've got to the point in my wardrobe where uh, I haven't bought clothes for months but I sort of have built it all up and I've got it. I can't wait to do our wardrobe episode, Tara. That's cool. going to be great. But I've got to the point where I now only replace items as they fall apart. And like, I'm getting a pair of shoes repaired soon because I, I put a pair of boots on yesterday and walked out of the back door, got in the car, remembered I'd forgotten my watch. So I got out, ran back into the house and I could hear like that I was making a clopping <laughs> sound, like a really loud sound on the pavers as I was running in the house. And I had normally they've got like a rubbery sole to those boots. So I thought that's weird. And I looked down and the whole sole had fallen off. I still can't find it. I don't know where it went. It might have fallen off at the end of the last time I wore them. I didn't notice. But the heel, the bottom of the heel had fallen off completely, so I'm going to get those repaired. But if they're not repairable, then that's a trigger for me to go, oh, I can buy a new pair of boots or it's time for me to buy a new pair of boots if I don't already have something that meets my need, you know, in the wardrobe now. But, you know, I am at the point now where, you know, it's only when I grow out of something because, you know, I'm starting to get wider. (laughs) So there's growing out of something or there is something wearing out and that is when I go and buy clothes and shoes now. And and the same goes for everything else in the house. You know, you can get to a point when you've got a helpful volume of saying, I'm only going to buy things when something else needs replacing rather than because I want something new and shiny. Absolutely. And I think if you make a habit of decluttering regularly, so you could do it seasonally or like I keep a bag in a drawer which is my item or my, you know, bag for charity. And then as I come across things that, you know, the kids have decided they're not wearing anymore or they've grown out of, those things go straight into that bag so that they're not hanging around in my house for too long. Um, So make time to revisit your decluttering. It's not, I don't think decluttering is a thing that you do once once and then you're done. You kind of, it becomes, you know, something that you need to. It's part of your life. Yeah, revisit We have a, you know, it's a cycle. It's a, it's a constant flow. You know, our stuff isn't a lake in our house. It's a creek. It comes in and then it flows back out again. And so we should be constantly cycling through and turning over the things in our house and things should be leaving at a consistent rate if they're coming in at a consistent rate. If you stop bringing stuff in, then you, need, you, can, you don't have to 
keep sending stuff out. But generally, mm. uh, sending, um, keeping stuff going, leaving is is you know it's a constant thing. It's a lifestyle thing. It's not a one off thing. Um, I think also you need to declutter before you move, and there is a whole another episode as well. But mm. always declutter before you move. Don't just take that assumption that everything you had in this house you'll need or want in the next house. So always let go yeah. of those things on your way. Yeah, that's right. And lastly, I think you need to recognize the feelings you have in your space when it's decluttered and when it's cluttered. Notice the ebbs and flows of the feelings. How you how you're going if you're sitting in a space and it feels really great. That's awesome. Recognize that so that next time when you're in that space if it doesn't feel the same, that might be a little bit of a sign that you know, things are starting to encroach again. So just take note and uh, if you need to act on it, then act on it. And today's challenge is yarn, string and needles. So all of our lovely crafters out there, hopefully you listened to our craft episode a few weeks ago and got all inspired to declutter. If you haven't, we are asking all of our crafters to check your yarn and your needles ask yourself if you really need them how many do you need and maybe you could donate some of them either to your local charity or a women's shelter or possibly even a school or community group that might be able to use them thanks for joining us if you've enjoyed listening we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered if you would like to connect with us you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via facebook and instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com